Thanks for hitting that button. You are listening to The Mark the Shark Show. All right, guys, you ready to rock? Are you excited? Well, sit back and enjoy. And welcome to The Mark the Shark Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Mark the Shark Show. I hope everyone's having a great day. We have a great episode in store for you. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Robert Boog, and you're listening to The Mark the Shark Show. During World War II, I was in prison in a Nazi camp. I died there, or so I thought. Instead, I became a creature of the dark world. Now I fight to protect my daughter. I am Marcus the Vampire. The book is now available at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com and RetortoFamilyBooks.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Mark the Shark Show. And this week, we got a special guest. His name is Robert Boog, and he's a real estate broker turned author, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. How you doing today, Robert? I'm great. How about you, Mark? Good, good, good. Just hanging in there. And uh, we're here today to talk about your book. But before we get into that, because your book is called, I got to put my glasses on, sorry. My eyes are so bad. <laughs> um, you got a book called, where is it? I just had it here. Shaky's Madness, right? That's the name of your book. It's, yes. It's an audio book format, paperback, regular paper, hardcover. I saw it. It's all on Amazon, so everybody wants to know. There'll be links to it. And then it has to do with Shakespeare. And then for, for general people, if you can explain, like, it's about Shakespeare, and you, and I think, like, the gist is it that you really write Shakespeare's canon. Like, I, I don't even know, like, what, like, I'm not really a big Shakespeare fan, so if you can kind of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do a little well, background it, and then go explain, like, because you're a real estate broker, like, what made you decide to go into writing a book and all that? Just give, like, you know, details on what the Shakespeare canon is and then yeah, the, 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 the book and then what the book's about, and then we'll take it from there. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, the Shakespeare canon is just all the p- plays and poems of William Shakespeare. So uh, the I discovered that Shakespeare is a fraud, that this is the biggest literary hoax in the history of mankind. He did not write the plays and poems that people said that he wrote. That, and it's, um, you know... I'm not the only one who has said this. Sigmund Freud, Walt Whitman. Um, I'm sorry. Can you put pause it for one second? I pause it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So you were saying that you're not the only one that says Shakespeare is a fraud, or you were saying that Sigmund Freud. Now, continue on, and I'll, then I'll okay. Questions like. All right. Cool. So, um, how it started for me. Um, you know, the state of California was locked down, you know, like blockbuster video uh, during the pandemic. And so I was watching TV in the morning 
And that's when I discovered uh, like all these uh, commercials for Latuda. And Latuda, I had to use my cell phone and Google it. Um, it's a drug for bipolar disorder. And then later that afternoon, I was um, scrolling on, on uh, Twitter and I heard Sir Patrick Stewart like reading this sonnet and uh, it was filled with doom and gloom. And I said to myself, uh, you know, this sounds like old Shaky could have used some Latuda. Um, so bipolar disorder used to be called schizophrenia or manic depression. So people have people with it have these highs and lows. So um, not, and maybe like a week later, I learned that one of my someone close to me, I don't want to identify them, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So I studied up on it. And it seemed kind of logical to me that the the real author of Shakespeare probably suffered from bipolar disorder. There's just all kinds of stuff in um, in the writings of Shakespeare. And um, so that's kind of what what I do in this book. It's conversational in tone. I mean, I know that you're into MMA. <laughs> Thug Nasty's on tonight. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait for that fight. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, you know, I, I'm into it, man. My, I was a wrestler in high school <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I did one of those things where I was in, I think the 136 weight class and, uh, I was in a tournament over Christmas and I woke up to like 154. <laughs> so my coach put me into that place and I won the tournament at, and I could never beat the guy at 136. So, um, anyway, my book is like with stories of my own personal life, uh, you know, with this mystery. So I look at it as a, like a mystery, like what happened to DB Cooper or what, you know, like if you like Dateline on, on, you know, these real life mysteries, this is a real life mystery that happened 400 years ago. And I know what some people are thinking They they tell me there is no way that you could diagnose someone today, um, you know, who lived 400 and over 400 years ago with bipolar disorder. You cannot do that. But the thing is with bipolar disorder, you can't take a cotton swab and stick it up someone's nostril and get an antibody test to say that they have bipolar disorder. It is a mood disorder again. So people, one day they're feeling really high and the next day they're feeling real low. And, um, and the, so there are all kinds of these different symptoms when people are, you know, are experiencing highs and lows. One of them, for example, um, if you're a, on a mani mania kind of uh, high, people tend to spend a lot of money. That It's called ex ex extensive spending. Now, uh, did William Shakespeare do any extensive spending that we know of? No, he bought, he bought some real estate. He was pretty frugal with his money. I mean, he was smart about his money. The, the main candidate that I look at is... Um, Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford. And this guy, he inherited roughly $70 million at age 21. By age 31, he was penniless. So here's a guy who, who has some serious, uh, you know, uh, shoe spending and, you know, he just liked to spend money.
That's one of the things. In Hamlet, we hear Hamlet say to be or not to be. And that's where he's contemplating suicide, right? Well, thoughts of suicide and death, that's uh, uh, a sign of depression. In it's bipolar, it's one of the bipolar symptoms, the six uh, for depression. So what I did is I kind of combined, because what I found was kind of weird was you see some of these um, symptoms in the poetry of William Shakespeare. So it's kind of like, all I do is I, I make it kind of fun, like, what if this were true, you know, and um, if so, how would Edward de Vere's life um, line up with the plays of William Shakespeare? So that's what I kind of do, uh, just a little bit at least, to try to keep things, um, you know, keep things fun, conversational, and um, like that. Can, can I pause this for one second? Okay. All right. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. So do you have a theory as to who wrote? those plays or do you think it's like the same guy different guys or yeah it i believe that it's edward de vere the 17th earl of oxford i'm not the first person to have said this um freud believed that it was edward de vere too and um and there are people that claim that well maybe shakespeare did it with uh like a group of other actors or something like that and that's how they wrote these plays um but there's too much uh, of these symptoms, like, um, you know, when we're talking about uh, Hamlet and thoughts of suicide, there's a lot of suicides in, in these plays, a lot of, um, you know, Romeo and Juliet, for example, or, I mean, you can just, um, you know, go through these, and you can see the examples that I use in the book, like, um, you know, this is why I think it happened. The hardest part for most people is getting their heads around the fact that William Shakespeare's name is on, you know, this book. And so why would, a, you know, a rich nobleman give up his masterpieces to somebody? Why would he do this? And um, back then, I mean, it was treasonous to write anything bad about Queen Elizabeth, for example. Um, and this was in the days of the rack and uh, torture. And, uh, you know, you could be killed for just saying or writing something inappropriate or it's something that somebody who didn't like you wanted to, um, you know, see you hanged for or, or racked for, let's put it that way. So you think he would put it down and tell the whole thing if you want to get in trouble? Like well, uh, is it in the facts? I really don't know too much about these people other than like, you know, Rome, you know, he wrote Romeo and Juliet. I'm not too well, that's it was much knowledge on the other person. Do they have is it known that they had a relationship? They assuming uh, it, it is. Edward de Vere was 15 years older than William Shakespeare. Okay. And um, so he had, and that's uh, there are three uh, you know three reasons that I think that anyone could, you know, understand or see why um, Edward de Vere makes a better candidate. And one of them is he had an extensive knowledge of Latin. 
okay. and uh, number one and number two, he had lots of time. <laughs> he had time and money, you know, so he he had like 15 years to write plays and poems and things like that, where William Shakespeare, all of a sudden he becomes this overnight sensation. And um, before that, he was just this common guy living, um, you know, miles, about 100 miles away. Now, Los, I live in Los Angeles and L.A. is roughly 100 miles away from San Diego. And um, in Shakespeare's time, he lived in, according to, you know, his, his, you know, what our teachers tell us, he lived in Stratford-upon-Avon, which is 100 miles away from London, roughly. So it would take like four days to go from his home to London if he walked, let's say three or four days, two days if he took a horse. So it's a perfect um, venue for writing letters, wouldn't you agree? I mean, wouldn't you write letters to your wife? You've got three kids. He had, uh, you know, he had three kids, but he never wrote one letter to his wife. Not one letter has ever been found written by Sh William Shakespeare to anyone not just his wife, to any friend, not any friends kept any letters. No, there's not been one letter ever found. Wouldn't you agree that's kind of strange? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. When you think about it, okay, so I'm married. I've been married for more than 20 years. My wife knows everything about me, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but um, that's the weird, another weird thing is we're told that these two actors, John Hemmings and William Condell, collected all the old quartos and they uh, gathered them together to create the first folio. The first folio is the collection of 36 plays of William Shakespeare. It was published in 1623 and Shakespeare died in 1616. So what that, we're told that these two actors, they actually have a statue to them in London for gathering these old plays together and uh, creating the first folio. The only problem with that theory is that 18 of the plays were never performed in public. So how did they get those 18 plays into the first folio? And the other thing is, is that um, in 1613, the Globe Theater burned to the ground and that's where they kept the old quartos. So, how were they able to gather these things? I mean, it would make more sense, like if the story was my wife had it or they got it from Shakespeare's wife, right? Why didn't she have copies of everything? Why didn't he, he in, in his will, William Shakespeare gave his wife his second best bed. Why didn't he give her my 36 plays, you know, my, 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 my writing desk? I mean, why all my poems, you know, what? what? I, it just does not make sense to me. I'm like one of those people, like, uh, you know, like a, a dog with a bone. And when something doesn't make sense, I'll keep chewing on that bone till I understand it uh, better. Because things from the story that we've been told by teachers and, uh, you know, um, history even, do not add up. It just doesn't make sense. If you really, I mean, if you sit down and think about it. This is interesting. So you found out you, you had a person in your life that had bipolar. And then how did that translate? Like, did you have like before that, did you have like this obsession with Shakespeare? 
I, in, in college, well, in college, I did write a paper. Um, I, actually, I won a contest for writing a Shakespeare sonnet. At, I went to school at oh, okay. UCLA. Yeah. So um, I kind of got into So the instructor said, uh, if you can write, uh, you know, a Shakespeare sonnet that I approve of, then that person will will get an A in this class. And um, so now UCLA, the, UCLA has like 35,000 students, right? I mean, so these classes are, are big. My class, uh, my English class was like, you know, 650 people, you know? And so he, so I thought it was, I had a good chance, you know, 650 people. I thought like, how hard can this be? And um, like two weeks later, he said, oh, by the way, uh, this contest is for all my classes. And I learned that he taught three classes of, you know, of that 650 people plus two more classes. And then, uh, you know, so in my head, my odds of getting an A were, were not that, you know, it was like a graph that was going down. But um, yeah, I, I did uh, win that contest. And also um, I wrote a paper, uh, you know, there, I had an instructor who was, uh, she was really big on Shakespeare and um, she had us write a, an essay about uh, Sonnet 116. This is, uh, let me not to the marriage of true minds ad admit impediments. And when I wrote that pa a paper on it, um, I had broken up with this girl, um, my girlfriend of seven months, I found that she'd been cheating on me. So uh, I told, I wrote this paper, I was kind of angry. Uh, you know, I said, this poem sucks. And um, I went on and on. And I said, I could write a better sonnet than this guy. And I did. And um, when I got my paper back, there was no letter grade on it. You know, on the last page, usually there was a letter pay or grade or on the first page. Um, instead, it just said, please see me in cl after class is over or something like that. So I had to meet her in her, you know, little office. And um, she told me she had been writing or reading papers for over 20 years on Shakespeare. She had never read anything thing like this. So um, she was very positive and she gave me an A on the on that paper. So um, I was happy about that, of course. But so, yeah, this thing has stuck in my head uh, back because I did go to um, England when I was maybe like 20 years old. I did go to um, Stratford upon Avon. And to me, it felt like this was the wrong place. It'd be like people coming to California here and wanting to go to Disneyland. And instead they would go to the San Fernando Valley to like a miniature golf place or something. You know, it's just like, th this, is, this is not what I was thinking, you know? <laughs> and um, that's kind of what, it, it's, but I, you know, I really didn't do anything for like 30 years until like uh, the pandemic. And then I had time to like really kind of laser focus on it. Can, can I put you on pause for one second? Yeah, yeah. Is that right? <laughs> so I was a little busy man in the office. But yeah. like, what are, what are those old potential customers hitting you up for sales or something? No, it, I, uh, I'm also a notary public, so I ah. so I do I I kind of do it as a service to meet people really, but um and that and I see people sign things and that's another thing. Uh, have you ever seen the sh the signatures of William Shakespeare? No, no, no. 
it looks like he's drunk. I mean, it looks like he could not write a single, like if he could write a whole poem, I'd be surprised. I think the guy was totally illiterate, to be honest. <clears throat> so William Shakespeare was a front for this other guy, the Earl of Oxford. The Earl of Oxford was a rich dude. He, you know, he he started his education at age four. His parents dropped him off at the house of a, a Cambridge scholar named uh, Sir Thomas Smith. And Smith believed that it was easier for boys to learn Greek first and then Latin. So okay. this guy, I'm going to call him Oxford, Edward de Vere, or Oxford, was so well accomplished in Latin, by the age of eight, he attended Cambridge um, College. He graduated at age nine. It, it's kind of like a Mozart thing. You know, when you're a real genius, they, he goes to college and he, he graduates in one year. And then when he was 14, he went to Oxford University and he graduated at age 16. So this guy was really a sharp dude. And, um, but I think there were, there's a couple of things. I mean, um, when I did my research into bipolar um, disorder, um, a lot of people have self-esteem issues too. Like if you don't really trust yourself because you don't know when these moods are going to take over, you don't really feel confident about yourself. And I think that could have happened where he just felt like, no, I don't want my name attached to it. A another person like this was Sylvia Plath. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's a, a poet and she committed suicide in 1963 and years after her death and she, she originally uh, published a book called the bell jar in 1963 it's a book of poems that she published under the name of uh, victoria lucas i think and she published it in england and said to her parents i don't want my name on this um please do not ever put my name on it and then she committed suicide in 1963. And when a US publisher read the book, he convinced the, the parents to publish it under her name. And it was published in the US in 1970 under um, Sylvia Plath's name. Now, um, in like 1982, uh, the book, uh, Sylvia Plath's Assorted Poems, won the Pulitzer, well, it was the Nobel Prize for Poetry. So this was, you know, like 19 years after she passed away that it was that she received this award. Now, what what uh, some scholars say about Edward de Vere uh, or Oxford, the guy from, you know, the the guy that I think did it, he died in 1604. So um, How'd he die? We'll, we'll say, well, um, some of these plays were written after 1604, and that's the been the big a dispute about this thing like how could you write plays after 1604 and i my argument is that why couldn't they have been written prior to 1604 and they just got published in 1623 just like sylvia plath um how did this guy die though i'm just curious nobody history doesn't know i think he committed suicide to be honest but that it's like 60% of people with bipolar disorder do commit suicide, unfortunately. 
Yeah, or a, that was, a, that's why I asked that question. I wanted yeah, to right. And but nobody knows. See, back then, if you committed suicide, the the king or queen could take all of your property. They were It was a mortal sin. It was it was really a, a bad thing. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. But this guy, and and then like through his life, did he do anything like? in particular that people remember him for other than like being tied to Shakespeare or a potential uh, person that well Edward de Vere was yeah he he was like I said he was a brilliant guy he kept his arms distance I think he made it he did not want to be found out I think it's that's the mystery of it and that's what I want readers to um you know buy the book read I mean, it, it's pretty short. It's like 140 pages tops, something like that. You oh, will okay. get, you'll jump into it and you can make up your own mind. And what I want people to do is, you know, Google check me or Bing check me or YouTube check me, whatever. Find out more about this because it's a big thing. I mean, and um, mental um, illness, especially there's a website, uh, a quest for the test. People are trying to make a test for bipolar disorder. And in the year 2022, we have the same tools really that people did in 1570 for um, figuring out if someone is bipolar, which is basically, you know, hey, how how was how were you feeling yesterday and that kind of thing. So it's 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 not very scientific at all. In other words, yeah, they, they, you would think by this time, but with most mental illnesses, it's usually like uh, I, I've come to the conclusion it's now not like an exact science. Exactly. Right. And, and that's why it's hard to detect people with mental illness and unfortunately to help them. And at the same time, though, it's a part of that person. It's not, it doesn't, I mean, it's a big stigma, but it's not, it doesn't make, that's just a part of them. Yeah. So I want to, I want to bring it out into the light a little bit more. I've actually gotten like seven emails from people saying, thank you for writing this book because my brother has, or my cousin has, or my sister has bipolar disorder. And it kind of inspired me to look at them a little differently. So that's kind of what I'm hoping to do because there are a lot of famous people, um, as you'll see, if you read this book that you can see, um, you know, He's not the only guy, so um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it's it's more common than people think. It is. Yeah. It, it is. is. Great. Well, anyway, Robert, it was great having you on the show. And so, people, if you want to check out his book, Shaky's Madness, uh, you can find it on Amazon.com or Robert.com. That's Robert B O O G. And like I said, Robert, it was great having you on the show. And to everybody listening, thanks for uh, following the podcast. And if you haven't already, uh, follow me on Facebook. Facebook page is called The Mark the Shark Show. And uh, look, be on the lookout for uh, future podcast episodes. Everybody, take care. Hi, everyone. This is Deborah Driggs, and you are listening to The Mark the Shark Show.
Hi everyone. Well, unfortunately, all good things must come to an end, and that's all we have for this particular podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you keep following my my podcast here, the Mark the Shark Show, and keep listening and look out for future podcast episodes.